This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. COVID-19 has changed our world in so many ways, but it also has led to more attention for subjects that we may never have given a thought. One such topic is the plight of healthcare heroines and how COVID-19 is affecting them. Your questions reveal so much about what you want to understand and also how much you want to help. It's why we have Abby Sriharan back with us. She's about to answer your questions and offer some perspective on where we can go into the future. She is the Program Director for Systems Leadership and Innovation and an assistant professor at the Institute for Health Policy Management and Evaluation at the Dalalana School of Public Health. She is also known as a realist applied researcher, and as I said last week, she is the healthcare heroine's heroine. I'm Jason the Germ Guy Tetro, and this is the Super Awesome Science Show SAS class on COVID-19 and our healthcare heroines. Last week, Abby Sriharan gave us a glimpse into the healthcare system and how the heroines of healthcare are being affected. We also found out that many of the issues are long-standing and not only applicable to the pandemic. Now, there was one question that came up a few times after last week's episode, and I'll get to it in a minute. But first, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I would really suggest you go back and do so now. It will both surprise and shock you and make you honor our healthcare heroines even more. Class is now in session. Here's your first and most popular question. Why don't we just hire more healthcare workers? Hiring more healthcare workers uh, is required. So we need a human capital strategy in healthcare to understand the workload issues and then manage those, right? But hiring is not going to fix all the other problems that are causing the burnout issues. So workload is one. So yes, hiring could help, but we need to see, change the culture and the system to be able to even help those women or other healthcare professionals who are going to be hired through those recruitments. So they don't face the same issues. So last week you talked about the concept of social isolation. And my next question kind of relates to that. Uh, if you've ever watched the show Friends, you know that there was this special bond between Monica, Rachel, and Phoebe. They could pretty much deal with anything. Is that the same case in healthcare? And could that idea of having friends who are there for you help to alleviate the impacts of COVID-19 on their lives? Definitely. The social networks are key in terms of helping each other, especially during this time, this difficult time. However, again, the public health measures uh, prevents a lot of healthcare workers to be able to socialize in work, at work, right? So the small rituals where they may have done to eat together or have coffee together, all of those things are being prevented because of infectious control protocol. So there's a kind of a disconnect between 
what is ideal and what the public health current public health environment would allow or is suitable for the current public health environment but again i have heard great examples in organizations where they have used social network a closed loop networks to share and talk to each other so build that network so they'll have each other have a monica or, or a phoebe or like rachel but i think we also need to think about the network should be broader it's which we don't need just only women we need allies we need all men all genders to be part of those networks successful healthcare organizations have utilized the technology to build virtual networks and virtual uh, communities but one of the challenges with those virtual networks and communities is people i have heard healthcare women say like these are all wonderful that my organization is offering this fireside chats and support groups and peer support networks and all of those things but i just want to finish my work and i want to go home i don't want to add additional work stuff into my plate right so there's only 24 hours and so that's the other thing is when you're designing these type of interventions you need to be mindful about what your healthcare women want and then design it last week you actually mentioned the fact that these doctors and nurses lounges are gone and i had no idea when did that happen so i think some of these changes interestingly happened due to patient safety initiatives as well as interprofessional team building initiatives that happened in the organizational changes so in mid 90s 2000s there, there was a lot of attention that you know healthcare is a team sport and therefore we you know we don't we shouldn't be having isolated like you know doctors in separate lounge nurses in separate lounge we just need to have a common staff room but that's open space everyone could come everyone could go kind of things happen and because that that builds teams that's wonderful in that context but now in the covid context it's not helping because it's an open space so it's mostly locked so those lounges are no longer available so the things that we changed the system based on what was happening in the previous context is not helping right now so yeah it's kind of one of those things you now how do we continue to adapt and the open concept office spaces are no longer going to work in the covid era some people describe the healthcare environment as being like a war zone and in fact many places in the country have utilized the armed forces to help when we talk about the military we we tend to think about the idea of PTSD and i know that some of the work that you've done has looked into this idea of PTSD in healthcare workers what is the impact like this is one of those questions that keeps me awake at night we don't really know the PTSD aspects of covid-19 we, we are going to see a lot of issues just from anecdotal evidences and talking to colleagues and some emerging evidences however there has not been any significant documented evidence uh there are also a couple of gaps in this research area one is we actually don't have a clear count of healthcare worker deaths or healthcare worker infections during covid-19 there's some estimates some tracking but there's no comprehensive picture so how if we don't know who is being affected how do we how are we going to monitor this long term 
and then there's no measurement or monitoring system that's going to help us track this from a long-term perspective. PTSD happens in the long-term post-COVID too, and we don't have any systems right now that's prepared to do this work. If you're looking at a military situation, veteran comes back, there's a lot of support for the veterans as well as their families. In healthcare, we don't have any of those things. The early days of COVID-19 not only impacted the healthcare women, but it also impacted their families as well, or healthcare men and their, the women and the families in their lives. But we have not studied, or there's, I mean, we, there's very little understanding about the impact of COVID-19, the families or the larger context of the healthcare workforce. Whereas in the military world, uh, there's a lot of research on military spouses and there's a lot of support systems for military spouses. We don't have any of those things very little attention to this area. And then if we can show that PTSD is happening, we're going to have to develop programs to extinguish those memories. And it's been 25, 30 years that we've been involved in understanding uh, military PTSD. So it's going to be a very long road ahead for any healthcare worker who has been affected by COVID-19, I fear. Exactly. It's, it's going to be a long process for healthcare too. And I'm seeing a trend of healthcare workers leaving workforce. I think we are going to see a lot of that happening or healthcare workforce changing their jobs. So they may not be, you know, people who offered frontline care are no longer providing frontline care if they have the option to do so. So people are rethinking their roles in healthcare, and this will have long-term impact for all of us as general public who relies on the healthcare workforce. For How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash ev9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Our well-being. The, the next question is really an interesting one. In schools, there are programs to keep children nourished to help them with their ability to learn. Do you think that this could happen in healthcare so that workers are getting what they need nutritionally to help sustain themselves in such a stressful environment? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting concept. And I think at one point in the history, healthcare organizations used to provide all of these things with budget cuttings and uh, changes in protocols about infection control and all those things. These kind of services and supports were taken away from healthcare workforce, right? And so they have to go and find their food. They have to pay a significant amount of dollars to buy food from the hospital cafeteria where they get subsidized. And oftentimes in this COVID situation, um, 
these services are not available to them as well. So, I mean, it will be perfect in an environment where they are supported nutritionally, but also supported uh, for rest and recovery in the organization. So they, you know, if they can take a quick nap or they could go and sit and relax before they take care of the next patient, all of these small micro changes could be make a huge impact. Again, it's context specific, organization specific, and we need to look at every organization and say, what is the issue? What are the things that the women in healthcare in your organization want? And how do we design that program to meet that specific need? One thing that people don't have time for are anti-maskers and COVID deniers and people who champion the cause of individual rights, regardless of the fact that we're in the pandemic at the moment. Now, we did see some talk about this in the United States with nurses intubating people who continue to believe COVID is a hoax. In your own research, and, and I guess your own personal observations, has there been any indication of the effect of these individuals on healthcare workers in terms of burnout or even just stress levels? Right. The social media and public perceptions are actually increasingly putting the healthcare workers in stress and burnout, right? So here, healthcare workers are working really hard in trying to advocate for wearing masks, uh, staying away, have social isolations, all of those things. And then they see the public and sometimes their friends and families and others who are not following through with these things. And if you track these dialogues in the social media sphere, you'll see a lot more stress, anger, frustration. So in a sense, there's an assumption from the group of population COVID-19 is not really a big issue. If we get sick, we'll get better. And if worse come to worse, we'll go to the hospital and somehow magically the healthcare workforce has to fix us or improve this thing. But what the healthcare workers are seeing is they are seeing patients coming into the hospitals, patients who are dying without seeing their families because of COVID-19 and the isolation protocols, um, patients who are young and old, dying unnecessarily because of someone else's um, negligence. And uh, they are also seeing overcapacity in terms of beds and not able to provide the right care. All of those things are increasing unnecessary stress and burden. The next question sort of relates to that. In Canada, we've been spared some of the worst case scenarios that we have seen in other countries. But that being said, it's the four components. It's not just simply the individual or the organizational. You've also got the political and the cultural. Do you think the fact that we haven't seen the worst case scenario could get in the way of developing and implementing interventions to ensure healthcare workers can recover? I think from a Canadian context, we have been very proactive about thinking about the stress and burnout. The fact that an organization major funding agencies like CIHR paid attention about these things because they are seeing what's happening elsewhere and they are being proactive about addressing stress and burnout. What we are seeing is just the tip of the iceberg. We are only see understanding some of the root causes, right? Like we don't have like lack of, uh, we have lack of um, PPE, there's infrastructure issues. We don't have enough healthcare workforce to take care of patients in long-term care. So we are just seeing some of the tip of the iceberg issues and we are starting to address it. 
but because we haven't seen the full extent there's a lot of gaps in our understanding and my strongest hope and belief is that as a system we will actually be a role model for the rest of the world about how to support our healthcare workforce and finally when this pandemic is all over what should canadians do to honor those who work so hard to keep us safe and alive yeah i think there's a lot we could do but it starts with us as individuals doing micro rituals right so the next time you see a healthcare worker thank them um just recognize their work respect them don't demand because i think there is an assumption uh, inherent assumption when we demand we expect them to deliver the care the way we want them to deliver and oftentimes we take our anger and frustration on those healthcare workers without realizing they are working in a system and sometimes the no send the delays that they offer to you for the care process is systems driven and not the individual driven so talk to them understand them respect them listen to them though doing those micro rituals will actually improve those their, their morals and help them find meaning in the work that they are doing and there you have it I want to thank everyone who asked a question and I hope you have gained some further insight into the sacrifices of our healthcare heroines and why we all should be showing them so much support. Now if you didn't hear your question, make sure to let me know by tweeting me at @jatetro or sending me an email at thegermguy@gmail.com. And if you want to leave me a voice message, just head over to speakpipe.com/sass. Next week, we're going to explore the mental health effects of COVID-19 on the individual, and more importantly, the family. It's going to be a very special episode, so you don't want to miss it. That's why it's best to subscribe so you never miss an episode, and while you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. It helps to spread the word and get more people to find the podcast. We're proudly part of the Curious Cast family and are available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and anywhere you get your streaming audio. You can also listen at curiouscast.ca. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information about what you heard today and links to Abby Shreheran. The award-winning Super Awesome Science Show is written and hosted by me, Jason Tetro. Dila Velasquez is our story producer, and sound design and final production is by Greg Shot. Have a great week. Stay safe. And as always, make sure to show him some sass. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.